on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. And if business is not at the table, then business is going to lose out. Iowa business needs to have a say in Iowa's future energy grid. Inflation continues at a record rate. One analyst tells us why. And in our business profile, we'll talk with an independent book publisher about three decades of change in his industry. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of April 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Somewhat lost in the current conversations about energy is the fact that our current grid will need to be revised regardless of energy source. Given that, a group called Iowa Business for Clean Energy is sponsoring a workshop in Des Moines on Thursday, April 28th, called Reform the Grid. Bob Rafferty is executive director of Iowa Business for Clean Energy. Obviously, as you focus on electricity, certainly cost is as important as anything, but it's also the carbon content becomes more and more a competitive issue for many businesses. So as we look at Iowa's electric grid in the future, we need it to be both low cost and based on clean energy. And so as we start looking at that, and as we were working on these type of issues and looking into it, we came to two key realizations. First, this electric grid of the future over the next 10 years is going to be dramatically different than the grid of the past several decades. And number two, very few business leaders have an understanding of how grid the grid is regulated today and how that regulation may impact how competitive our grid is moving into the future. Businesses don't operate the way they used to 10, 15, and 20 years ago in virtually any respect. We used to have phones and little pink pieces of paper for messages. Well, now we all carry at least one of these devices with us at all times. We use text and email. Making a call is about the last thing we do with a phone. And so when you think about that fundamental core of operating a business and how much that has changed, it's interesting to me that so many are hesitant to embrace that same concept when it has to do with the grid. Well, when you think about the electric grid of the past 100 years, it was based on having a handful of coal generating power plants providing power to a given geographic area. It was nice and simple. The way we had regulated it, it worked more or less. The future grid is going to have hundreds and if not thousands of little power generating, whether it's solar panels at a home, at a business, on a farm, as well as other energy generating uh, facilities. Second, it's going to have significant amount of storage that the grid can leverage. It's going to have the ability to control not only how much energy is used, but when businesses and residential uses that type of energy. It's really becoming a much more complex organism. And to think we can regulate that based on how we regulated the electric industry in the 1950s is crazy. I often compare where we are with the electric grid with where we were with telephones and telecommunications in the 70s and 80s. It was very much a controlled, highly regulated environment. Can you imagine where we would be 
in telecommunications today, if we still regulated it the way we did in the 70s, it just wouldn't work. And we need to realize our electric grid is in that same situation today that the telecommunications industry was 30 and 40 years ago. Obviously, this is something of great importance, as you just established, but it's also something that has enough complexity that if it's not my forte, I'm running a certain type of business, I know how to run my business, I don't want to know how to run this other stuff. And so part of your mission is to educate or provide information and opportunities for business. And that takes us right to a workshop that you're holding later this month. When you're running your business, you don't have time to to jump into the weeds of electric regulation. At the same time, the cost of your electricity, the cost of your energy is only going to grow in importance over the next coming decade. And so we are creating this workshop really to focus on that layperson who doesn't want to get into the weeds, but needs to know the basics, needs to understand how are electric rates regulated, how are those set today? And perhaps more importantly, what's changing that we need to be involved in pushing for change in the future? And what are other states doing? And we're going to do that as a, in a very business-friendly, layperson way, because we need business leaders engaged in this discussion. Our energy grid, the price we pay, the way it operates is too important for businesses not to be involved in ensuring we have a competitive grid in Iowa in the decade and decades ahead. That's become so important, and I recall from our past conversations, when businesses are looking to relocate or expand, this is a very key point because their own workforce cares about it to a large degree, their customer base, their investors, more and more people care about it, and it is just vital if you actually intend to grow the economy, this has to be addressed. You know, there's two aspects of what you're bringing up. The first is more and more markets and investors, as you have identified, employees want to work for a company with a low carbon footprint. So we need to allow our companies to achieve that low carbon footprint at the lowest price possible. The second aspect is just from a pure price competitiveness standpoint, we have many communities in our state that those businesses, commercial businesses are paying 55% more than their competition down the road. And that is going to even become more challenging as uh, transportation electrifies. Whether you like that idea or not, the reality is it's more likely going to happen than not. And that means for businesses, the cost of your electricity is going to become more and more a competitive either advantage or disadvantage. And we need to be concerned in the future that if we don't have a regulation environment that encourages both low-cost energy competitively priced, as well as with a low carbon footprint, we're just not going to be able to be competitive as a state. And those communities that right now are even further out of whack than others are even going to have that much harder time attracting new business to their community. The workshop is titled Reform the Grid. And my suspicion is that you have titled it that way not only because that very nicely describes what needs to be done, but it also suggests that you don't have all the answers and here is the prescriptive way of doing it. You're encouraging people, if they buy into the idea that there needs to be some reformation made, to be a part of the discussion and to be at the table. Am I picking up on that correctly? That's absolutely right, Jeff. The fact of the matter is we know where we're at today is not the answer. 
We know other states are trying and moving in different directions in order to address this more complex environment. This workshop is designed to start that dialogue as to how we need to change Iowa's electric grid, how we need to change the regulation of that. It's not going to be one simple solution that in a year we're going to make those changes. The telecommunication regulation change year after year over several decades. We need to look at the electric grid. We need to find answers to start moving that change today so that we're going to be ready to have that competitive grid in the future, but it's going to be an ongoing process. And if business is not at the table, then business is going to lose out. And that's a very interesting part of the whole thing because there are some folks, I would say this is not an accurate portrayal, but there are some folks who think, well, business controls everything. This is truly something where, to some level, business has been left behind by its own choosing because, again, of the things that we've talked about earlier. This is not a business owner's forte. It's not a conversation that has easy solutions. And we're too busy running our businesses on a day-to-day basis. And so this almost turns it on its head, doesn't it? I've had conversations with probably hundreds of business leaders since we started this a year or so ago. I bet I haven't had more than five of those business leaders having an understanding of utility regulation. And so you're absolutely right. Business doesn't have a good grasp and they don't have the time to really delve into it in detail. But what we're going to try to do is make it easy for them to get involved, to understand what needs to change, and then help be a part of that discussion of how it changes to make sure we have a competitive grid in the future. What's so important to remember is when we have such a large part of our economy that is highly government regulated, the idea that we're not going to actively look to modernize those regulations when the industry is changing significantly is crazy. We need to definitely have some significant changes. And I think that would be unfortunate if those changes are really determined by only a very small subset of people being involved in those discussions. Our energy industry is too important to Iowa's future to just leave it to others to get involved. Bob Rafferty, Executive Director of Iowa Business for Clean Energy, online at iowacleanenergy.org. We connected via Zoom on Friday, April 8. Again, the Reform the Grid workshop is this coming Thursday in Des Moines. More at iowacleanenergy.org. Still to come, why the inflation rate continues to climb. And in our business profile, if you've read a good book lately, it's probably published by an Iowa company. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. What do Olympic wrestling legend Dan Gable, Hollywood funny man Adam Devine, and America's Got Talent soloist Emily West all have in common? Why, it's Waterloo, of course. These are only a few of the famous, noteworthy, and praiseworthy people who hail from Waterloo, Iowa, which begs the question, why not Waterloo? I'm Mayor Quentin Hart, inviting you to Waterloo. Come for a visit, stay for the great quality of life. Look us up at cityofwaterlooiowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review this year's competitive dashboard data by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. 
The latest national consumer inflation rate topped 8% year-to-year, but the producer rate is even higher at 11%. Veteran financial journalist and author Jordan Goodman shares his thoughts on why inflation continues to climb. Well, it's a combination of factors, and this is not Putin's inflation, just to be clear about that. I mean, inflation was already moving up before Russia invaded Ukraine. That has been an accelerant. It has made things go up faster, but it was going on long before the Russian war in Ukraine. So let's just go through the factors why inflation is is up so much. On the monetary side, the Federal Reserve has printed roughly $8 trillion in the last few years. It went from $1 trillion to now $9 trillion on its balance sheet. It was buying $120 billion worth of bonds every month. That has now stopped, but all that money slashing its way through the economy worldwide pumped up the markets, and it pumped up demand, and it created inflation. More demand, less supply, so that on the monetary side. On the fiscal side, you have the government spending all kinds of money with deficit spending, something like $5 trillion for COVID release and American Rescue Act and all kinds of things. So we had a huge amount of spending on the fiscal side, huge amount of stimulus on the monetary side. Then you had the supply chain disruptions because of the recovery from COVID. I mean, before COVID, things were going pretty well. And then demand fell off a cliff in fall or spring of 2020. And so factories shut down. And then demand came back sharply when we got the vaccine and things got better, but supply couldn't keep up. So you had the supply chain disruption, and that has been exacerbated by COVID lockdowns like we have going on in China now, by the war. Just been a lot of disruption to the whole thing. That is all inflationary as well. I'll add the labor shortage as well. We have over 11 million unfilled jobs. People keep leaving their jobs, and they can't find other people to take these jobs. That is inflationary because it means businesses have to raise wages to attract people, and they still can't get enough people, and those higher wages have to be passed on in the form of higher prices. All of these things are not, to my mind, affected by higher interest rates from the Federal Reserve. So they're going to raise rates a lot. I frankly don't think it's going to slow down inflation. Coming up, the story of an Iowa-based publisher which focuses on telling stories of the Midwest. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. I'm Michael Swanger, owner and publisher of Iowa History Journal. Get into the game and read our January-February issue that features a cover story about the only NBA team in Iowa, the Waterloo Hawks, as well as in-depth stories about poet Charles Blandon, the Soldiers and Sailors Civil War Monument, and the winner of the Miss Perfect Back of America contest. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at hy or Fairway, or visit iowahistoryjournal.com to order today. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at advanceiowa.com. In our business profile, the story of Ice Cube Press, which has published an extensive and diverse catalog of books over time. Ice Cube Press founder Steve Semkin tells how it came to be. It's been 31 years now. I started just as a whim. I mean, I used to start a new business every single week back when I was, um, I don't know, I've done this since 1991. And so now I'm in my late 50s. So I've done this through my 20s, my 30s, my 40s into my 50s. And I was, you know, going to be a fish packer, a timber framer, a VW car mechanic. And 
I was honestly just doing things because I didn't like the job that I had. I knew that I enjoyed writing. And one day I wrote a story about a guy wandering across the desert and there was this mirage out in the distance. And you know how you're driving and you see something like that. You think maybe someday I'll catch up with that thing. And so in this story that I wrote, this guy did make it inside the mirage and lo and behold, there was the Ice Cube Cafe. And I just thought that's a pretty cool place. And I just started the company then. There is literally no reason to believe that this idea was going to last any more than the other 15,000 things that I decided I wanted to do. In that way, it's just total passion and luck that's kept it going because, I mean, I had two jobs at the time and I just kept on this one. And I'm not exactly sure what stood out about it more than the other ones, but hey, that's how I started. No business plans. I like to tell people now that without a degree in marketing or business or writing or editing or computer work, I still managed to pull it off. And now, of course, it's the only thing that I do. Sometimes I tell people, I think it was 1995, I was just exploring the internet and I listed my first book on this weird site called Amazon. I thought, what the heck? I'll give it a try. Of course, Amazon's gone on to be sort of a caretaker of the universe in some weird way. And I think in the end, I consider what I value the most. And this is kind of what I do and why I'm sort of a throwback to the old days, even though I don't feel old. On the one hand, people will tell you the most important thing right now is social media, web pages, and promotion. And yet I always think the way that I succeed, I feel like, is I try and make the best book possible. Stories aren't really going anywhere, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, poetry or biography. There's still stories of one nature or another. You're revealing something. You're telling people something about yourself. Sometimes you'll ask a novelist if they're ever going to write their uh, biography, and they'll say, I already did write my biography. And so, you know, there's no clear distinction between the two. But I think what the book does as an object or as a thing that we think about is that it makes you an expert at something. And for instance, when you have someone on your radio show, you're probably not just going to go, person that thought about something. It's like, no, this person has written a book about such and such. And so that as a thing is not going anywhere because we want people to know that we're listening to the people that have a better idea of what's going on than someone else that hasn't taken the time. I think people may think it's funny that I say there's no paper involved, but there's literally right now, like if you wanted to get a book done on, it doesn't matter what it is, but there's like natural colored paper and there's thicker paper. It's like, those aren't available right now. I reserved some paper for a project coming out this fall last year because the shortages are there. You just have to commit to it ahead of time. And so, I mean, it's like any business, you're constantly figuring things out as you go along. As much as you pretend to know what's going on, whether it's pandemics or just any time in life, I guess, but that's especially challenging now, just from an organizational point of view. What do you look for as you decide whether or not it is a proper subject that you want to invest your time and talents and have come out on one of your imprints? If you'd asked me this question 30 years ago when I first started, I would have said, I'm only interested in books on the environment and the natural world. And, you know, my mission statement, which we all have to have for some weird reason, well, we don't have to, but it just kind of goes with the territory. You know, mine is using the literary arts to better understand how we can best live in the Midwest. What I've learned that I have to do is that I just have to trust what I'm interested in. And I know that sounds a little bit glib because, well, how am I supposed to know? But I trust what I like. And I've learned that 
in general, I like environmental titles and I like places about the Midwest, but I'm also intrigued by just curious things that interest me. And I, I've kind of gone to the point where if it interests me, I'm probably going to publish it. And right now I'm on a really good roll. I haven't had to search very hard at all. I mean, I'm booked through 2024 right now. That doesn't mean people aren't going to keep sending me things. That's fine. Good ideas are hard to come by. And the whole other part about books and part of what you look for as a book publisher, this is just something I like to reveal that's come to me over time. And I think as a business, anyone that's in business can take it to heart because it's very Zen-like, but you start to realize that it's the passion of the projects that you take on that sort of fuel them. Mm -hmm. And so 20 years ago, I hope even 15 years ago, I'd figured this out, but what you're getting and what I'm getting with all these submissions I get is like people's life goals and life ideas. Like, you know, they have their families, they have their children, they have their jobs. But I think fourth or fifth on that list is usually this thing that they just really want to share with the world, this book, this topic, this novel, this interest. And so what I didn't used to understand is how much that means to someone when they send that to me. And I think in any business that you do, you know, you hear a lot of jargon, like the customer and the customer experience. But I just think there's these passionate people that trust me enough with their ideas that I'm honored almost. And as part of that is what comes through in what you pick. Steve Semkin of Ice Cube Press, online at icecubepress.com. We spoke via Zoom on Thursday, April 21st. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.